0: Okay, we're recording. Okay. So we are we're going to start a podcast. Ian and I are. About this is your intro. Yeah. About about many things. So I think there's supposed to be some sort of focus when you're doing these type of things. Uh, but I feel like we have so many focuses that it's hard to just focus on one genre. Is that the right word for it? Yes. Okay. So, you know, we're going to talk about a few things. Right now, this whole, this whole episode, I guess, is going to be really our intros and really a little bit about ourselves, and Ian would prefer that we talk about current events because he said that he wants to roast me the entire time i would prefer to talk about something that will speak to people that will make them feel better that will change the world but anyways so we do not have a name for our podcast yes we do okay so ian thinks we have a name for our podcast Correct. so e ian, so ian's
1: it kind name of sums up my life
0: yeah okay so he says he wants to write a book about this too. <laughs> it's really tough. But I'll let him I didn't say I
1: wanted to write a book.
0: Okay. No, he said if this is how he said it to us in the car and the kids were in there. He goes, if there were going to be a book about me, it is called
1: My Autobiography.
0: Okay, your autobiography is called what?
1: Um No poop just farts. <laughs>
0: Okay, so I told Ian in the car today, okay, if we do this podcast, I'm fine with that name. But I prefer to not have that name. It I feels disgusting to me, I guess. But anyway, so if anybody on this podcast has any type of... Well, it's of kind
1: of a metaphor, I guess.
0: <laughs> of what? Tell me your
1: metaphor. Just life in general. Because so- basically, it's the things we aim for never really come to fruition. It's just a disappointment what, in what general. Is,
0: what does fruition mean?
1: Fruition yeah. means that it doesn't happen. It doesn't appear if you don't obtain what you were seeking.
0: Okay. Okay, so that's Ian's metaphor, we I guess. You should probably
1: have a dictionary out while we're doing this. <laughs>
0: well, um, yeah, so you'll notice that I don't... See,
1: r- I told you my poster Okay, I so made. also
0: i playing is, Animal Crossing. He's playing Vegas. Animal Crossing while we're doing this because this was the only way that he'd start episode one, essentially. So, anyways, okay, so intros. So I'm the host and Ian's the co-host. So I'm Amber. I guess three, three things. Amber Brown. <laughs> three things about me. Um, and also, wait, before I start talking about me. Um, Ian also didn't want to do this podcast because he feels as though people that do podcasts are all about themselves.
1: Mm, They just want to be heard and looked up to and respected and bowed down to, like, listen to me. I know more than you. I don't know. I've never listened to a podcast. So that's just my, my inkling.
0: And I have listened to podcasts, and actually a good friend of ours just reminded me of a podcast in general because I am driving a ton right now, so it's definitely keeping me sane. Anyways, okay, so I'm Amber.
1: I caught a spider.
0: I I am the host. I am the one that kind of comes up with the episodes, and um, yeah, so I... Am a Look it, driven.
1: Okay. I can make a head bay out of twenty clumps of wheat.
0: Okay, so another this rule of no. Awesome. So a rule of this podcast is yeah. you have to let one another speak without like having tracts
1: interrupting.
0: Yeah. So I am a full time worker. I have a career. I am a mother of three, um, I am a wife, I am assertive, aggressive, all of those type of things, and... Bro. What?
1: <laughs> I'm interrupting again. Look at, I, I made a tiger toy.
0: Oh my gosh. Anyways, so I really want this podcast really to essentially touch on things that we've dealt in our with in our life. So addiction is one thing. Um, moving across the country, essentially, um, raising three children and both working full time and
1: making plans to work out daily and not doing it. Yeah, we've. Well, we worked out today. We
0: worked out today. So, anyway, so that's me. That's me in a nutshell, I guess. You'll get to know me more often. So, you're up.
1: What about just introduce myself?
0: Yes. It's like school, you go around the circle.
1: I'm Ian. I'm a recovering alcoholic. I'm a master automotive technician for my current career, which may or may not be what I choose to do in our new life in the South. I'm currently supposed to be taking care of the kids and doing things around the house, but I found my new calling in uh, Animal Crossing today, so that's kind of absorbed most of my production out of today. Um, so yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. I like moonlit walks on the beach <laughs> and Cajun boiled peanuts.
0: Okay, so he just said that he is a recovering alcoholic, which is definitely something that I want to discuss throughout episodes and just really how it's affected us and our family. But one thing that he just said is also he needs to understand is he is an addict of boiled peanuts, like literally stops at a gas station every single day to get boiled peanuts and then moans that he eats the boiled peanuts and has a stomach ache.
1: Oh, I didn't just buy boiled peanuts today. I got chicken tenders also.
0: Oh, okay. Anyways. So, I guess that's our intros. Next, you know, I kind of wanted to touch base. And I know, you know, before we even started this podcast, um, Ian said that he felt so uncomfortable with talking about this kind of stuff. But it's not always going to be serious. Obviously, we're funny people and it's going to be funny sometimes. But... Really, I guess, you know, to start out, what is addiction? Come up
1: with a topic. So that's. Yeah, so I'm. And that's what
0: I'm doing right now. What is addiction? Like, what is it? Like, I don't. I've had addicts in my life since I was a baby, essentially. And I still, to this day, don't understand the question, what is addiction?
1: I don't know. Basically, in my mind, it's knowing that. Drinking alcohol and using drugs is a losing battle, but I have this far-fetched idea that at some point I'm going to beat the game and learn to do it without having the negative consequences that seem to follow any time that I drink alcohol. So it's kind of an illness of the mind is what it's described as. Uh, uh, Doctors have proven it to be a disease of the mind. Uh chemicals in my mind are produced and not broken down the same way as a normal drinker. And people that are normal drinkers that can take and leave it will argue and laugh in your face when you claim it to be a disease. Um it's the only disease that there's really no compassion towards. Uh, somebody gets cancer, uh, people uh, feel sorry for them and you know pity them and uh, want to help and offer compassion and uh, want them to get better. Whereas uh, being an alcoholic is just kind of uh, looked at as being weak and having a lack of willpower and just in general, being a a, a bad person is kind of the, the cliche of it. Um, it doesn't really make sense in my mind because nothing ever positive happens when I'm drinking. Um, I can't just have a drink. Once I take that first drink, it's, uh, all bets are off. I'm going to end up drinking more and... The scariest part is usually when I plan to drink, I will buy a small amount to try to uh, limit what I'm gonna take to kind of pace myself. And I will drink that and then immediately be craving more and get into my car and drive impaired to go and get more. And uh, kind of repeat that two to three times usually during any incident. So it's kind of scary because I uh, get behind the wheel of a car and go out and and endanger others and endanger myself. Uh, Not every alcoholic has that, um, that desire to go and get behind the wheel and drive. And unfortunately, I do. Whenever I'm drunk, one of the things that I want to do is drive my car. And it's kind of scary and despicable all at once. So I don't know. Yeah. I'm rambling
0: on. No, it's good because I think there's so many people out there that kind of sit here and say, am I an alcoholic? Is what I'm doing an alcoholic? Is what I'm doing okay? Is it normal? And I think it's tough, right? Because it, there's so many different... Addicts in this world. There's so many different ways to define are you an alcoholic? And uh, I think, you know, I, I mean, I will personally say, as somebody that is not an alcoholic, um, I've said to you, do you think I'm an alcoholic? Because there were times where I couldn't just stop at one. Do you know what I mean? Or like, I would have one or two and then i would drink too much and i'm like oh whoops now i can't drive home i need somebody to take me home or pick me up you know i don't know
1: oh the biggest difference is uh you can take it or leave it i've seen you say i'm gonna stop drinking and you don't have to read the big big book of alcoholics anonymous you don't have to go to meetings you don't have to work with a sponsor and make phone calls and texts and talk about it daily. Um, there are problem drinkers and they're alcoholics that it's not the same. And An alcoholic is a person that has an insatiable craving for it and uh, needs it, essentially. I mean, every single day that I don't do something for my recovery is uh, you know a risk to go back out there and relapse which just happened last week I was at gas station and I saw someone walking up with beer and uh for whatever reason it triggered in my mind it's like I can have just one and luckily that's what I did I for whatever reason I'm like oh I'm gonna get a seltzer and uh, it was fucking gross I didn't even drink the whole thing but uh Luckily, I fell asleep, and uh, that's one of the things I've been struggling with down here. <laughs> it's completely unrelated mm-hmm. is that I've been doing lots of stuff outside, and it's 90 degrees and humid as hell. And uh, after being in California in rehab for so long, I had the luxury of being able to, in the middle of the day, be like, you know what, I'm going to lay down and rest for a little bit. So uh, I'm 37 year 37-year-old, old, and I usually take an hour or two nap during the day when I, you know, I could take it or leave it, but when I don't have any real, you know, work that needs to be done on a day, I, uh, I don't even do it intentionally. I kind of just sit down and like today I sat down and started playing this game and I was like, Oh, I'm getting kind of tired. And I just sat down on a controller and fell asleep for like an hour. But, uh, I don't know how the hell I got on the topic of napping. Oh yeah. My relapse, but, um, It's a struggle daily. Uh, Most people don't know who to turn to or what to do. Um, Obviously, Alcoholics Anonymous is is the biggest answer to that. Um, I'm very agnostic. I do not really believe in or have any respect for organized religion. And um, one of the biggest struggles for me was just the God word and and how affiliated Alcoholics Anonymous tends to be linked to, uh, you know, religion. Um, And a lot of the people in it are very religious and and their higher power is God and they go to church and things, but um, it's really not what the program is. It's, It's a spiritual program. You don't need to believe in religion or, or God. You just have to have a higher power something that is greater than yourself. Um, I don't like Christianity. I, uh, when I was in California, I actually, I should be pursuing it more because I really enjoy it. Um, Buddhism and, uh, meditation. And, uh, there's another program similar to Alcoholics Anonymous called, uh, God damn it. I can't remember the name of what it is right now. The, uh, the Buddhist approach to. Uh, recovery. It starts with an R. I swear to God. Um, yeah,
0: I don't know. You're gonna have to look it up.
1: Um, well here I'll look that up real quick. If you've got something
0: that. Yeah. So actually, I'm really happy Ian brought that up, and I didn't think he would bring up relapse. And you know, for everyone listening about relapse, and really, I guess I'm gonna give you the other side of it from. Did you figure it out? Yeah. What is it called? It's
1: called Refuge Recovery.
0: Refuge. Okay. Yeah. You really enjoy does, doing uh, that in California.
1: It's a lot more of uh, meditation and the greater good and uh, the noble truths and things like that. But yeah, I just I didn't want to interrupt what you were where you were going with it.
0: Oh no no no. So, you know, just kind of an outlook on you know how family deals with the addict, essentially. So when I was younger, um, I lived with my grandma and my dad, and my mom um, is an alcoholic and an addict just in general. And it was very hush-hush, and it was very poorly, um, it was very scrutinized, I would say. So it's, and I didn't even know, I guess, that my mom was an addict right so when i was a kid um and i apologize for telling my mom's story but when i was a kid and i would be at my grandma's sleeping um she would randomly just come to the house and she would ring the doorbell she would come in and she would be like i want to see you play your game boy or i want to see you play your nintendo at 2 a.m and Gosh, I was so excited to see my mom. And I was so like, oh, this is normal life. Like, this is awesome that my mom wants to see me. Um, And it's like those things that you don't really think affect you as a child. Because at that point, you're not really thinking about it, right? You're just like, oh, this is normal. Um, And I think like with Ian being an addict in in our house, it does affect us, it does affect our children, and it does affect me. And it, not only that, but it affects our families. And it's not that he's intentionally trying to piss me off, right? Like, you're not trying to make me disappointed. Like, you're not trying to disappoint your parents.
1: No, there's no malicious intent about it. It's just the way I am.
0: Right. And not saying that he can't get help for that. That's not what I'm saying. And I'm not enabling the behavior at all.
1: The biggest appeal to me almost more than the impairment or the high is the sneakiness of it. Is the the, the getting away with it. That I can, I can be fucked up and uh, go out and... Be normal and, and behave and, and nobody's the wiser of it. And it's kind of a, an, an added high to it. Just the, the, the sneakiness of it has just always been something that's really appealing to me.
0: Yeah. And I mean, haven't you always been like that when you were a kid too? Like just sneaky.
1: I made a hay bed. <laughs> Sorry. Um,
0: oh my gosh. Um, Have you always been sneaky,
1: though? Yeah, I would climb out of my window and climb down the tree and sneak out on school nights and get drunk all the damn time. And then uh, climb back up the tree into the window, and my parents wouldn't know until I uh, got a little too drunk one night and fell asleep and didn't make it back home. And uh, they kind of figured out what was going on, so not so much... Yeah, I guess I was sneaky, but I never really had any ill will about it. It was just what I wanted to do to have a good time. I guess I was just really selfish and foolish.
0: Yeah, maybe.
1: But with you talking about your mom and your dad's addiction, um, you've been kind of brought up as a codependent. You just, you are a caretaker. You want to care for people. You want to you know, take that injured baby bird into your house and, and nurse it back to health and uh, you know, make it better. And mm-hmm. that's uh that's kinda of been one of the things that kinda of brought us together in our relationship and it, it happens a lot with uh with people that are, you know, codependent caretakers end up uh with addicts as their significant others and uh is Horrible and craziest things get sometimes You almost kind of crave it In your own sense The madness of it Not all the time And probably not You know it's probably almost Something subconscious to you Yeah, But uh, you've uh, You know people that Have addicts Alcoholics Whatever you want to call it In their home uh, Al-Anon is a really great thing Yes. And when you have gone to that, um, the way that you react to the situations and just the way you speak to me and uh, your approach to it seems much more strategic. Mm -hmm. You don't get impulsive and angry right away. (laughs) Like when you found me (laughs) asleep with that can of alcohol Friday, you were big mad. And uh, I had already planned on going to North Carolina to pick up my car, so like the coward shit I was you were, you know, out doing something in the kitchen. I, you know, snuck out in the garage, jumped in the car and drove four miles away and slept in a hotel just to escape the, the shame and guilt of disappointing you after I had just been away for 60 days working on this and, uh, promised I was going to be at it daily and not let this move, you know overtake my priorities and you know I I didn't let shit completely hit the fan but yeah I I did kind of drop my guard
0: yeah and I'm really happy that he brought that up and I I'm really happy he brought up the word coward actually because you know with an addict that is so when they feel all these feelings right so there's only one feeling that an addict feels And they don't know how to be human. So really, what I would say rehab is, and continuously having a sponsor, is how to feel human. It's, oh, I'm not just mad right now. Healthy ways of
1: coping with shame.
0: Right. And so I'm not just mad right now. I'm not mad... At the situation, actually, my feelings are really hurt that you treated me that way. Or I'm feeling bored. I'm feeling hungry. I'm feeling all of these emotions that I don't really know exactly how to explain that. So it's kind of like going through kindergarten again and looking at this piece of paper and they give you all these emotions.
1: Well, the problem is alcohol and substances have just been my coping mechanism rather than feel feelings that make me uncomfortable, I can just go get a bottle and get fucked up and I immediately stop worrying about it. So, it's almost as though your brain stops maturing to an extent when you start using. And I started using almost daily since I was 15 years old. Mm -hmm. So... The little bits and pieces I've put together of sobriety over the years, um, I've probably matured to the point, what, like a 17, 18-year-old? And not not physically. I'm obviously an adult, big, hairy, ugly adult. (laughs) But um,
0: I don't know how to deal with feelings
1: and emotions in a healthy way. I, uh, uh, like I said, the word cowardly is you just kind of... uh, You get uncomfortable and you just want to avoid the situation and uh, run away more or less. And uh, the worst is when you disappoint people that both worry and care for you. But that disappointment of of letting them down just gives such a, a resentment towards yourself and... The hardest part of staying sober is learning to deal with these resentments and these emotions like your your normal adult does because it's just nothing it's not something that we've worked on in our, you know, as we matured. We just kind of drown it all, drown out our sorrows more or less.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's not even with an addict though as you're talking about this. You know, it's with anyone right now whatever they're dealing with I would say but one thing that you know going back to kind of how it's affecting our family and how it's a how it's affecting how it's affecting the kids how it's affecting me um and we're not going to go into this a ton because there's other fun stuff we want to talk about but really kind of my thing was what is addiction Um, and now is You know, how is it hard to quit, right? So I think quitting is the one thing where we were always... And I was actually just listening to a podcast recently. And the podcast was Glennon Doyle. She's... It's fabulous. Saying, why is everyone so worried about quitting? Quitting isn't a bad thing. Quitting or being a quitter can sometimes be a good thing. It can sometimes be you saying, I and my body cannot take this anymore, so I'm done. And I think, you know, one thing I was thinking about with Ian is I feel like he's not a quitter. He never has been. Since I've known him, he will not quit something. He will stick it out. He will, you know, make sure that the process is followed. Like with cars, he won't quit a car. As much as he complains, he's not going to quit. So I feel like, you know, with quitting drinking or quitting substances or quitting anything, I think it's your brain, though, too, saying, I'm quitting, I'm giving up something. And it's not looking at it as a good thing. Like, I'm being free of this, though. I'm being free of alcohol and substances it's not really me quitting.
1: Rehab is for quitters, right? <laughs> and that the shirt that Fickory used to wear.
0: <laughs> but so, I mean, that's, that's kind of the way that I view it. And this is me. This is not Ian. And this is, you know, I think with me, I've really struggled a lot and a lot of our family and our friends have been involved. Um, and I think there's so many people out there that look at me and think I'm crazy for staying. Right? staying with Ian and, you know...
1: I'm pretty charming.
0: Continuing our marriage under the circumstances. Um, And I can't promise that either of us have not wanted to just be done with it. But we also have children and we also have, you know, our marriage vows. And we also... I go to, well, I don't anymore, but I used to go to Al-Anon. And honestly, Al-Anon is very good for anybody that is struggling with an addict in their life. um, Because it really kind of goes over the situation. It kind of talks about how the addict is the addict and you can't control that. And that is 100% what I struggle with. Because I want to be like, okay, Ian, what are you doing today? What is your plan? Give me a play-by-play so that I can, in my own head, try to control you and your every move. And it's like, why? Why am I making myself crazy, essentially? Why am I sitting here worrying about something that's inevitably, inevitably going to happen, whether I control it or not? And I think that's a lot of Al-Anon. Not only that, it's letting go with love. So it's not enabling the addict. It's saying, I don't accept this, but I still love you. And I'm still going to be there for you. So it's really setting boundaries. And boundaries are to keep people in, not to push people out. But sometimes it does push people out. So I think, you know, and then with our kids, you know, Ian's pretty open about addiction with our kids. And actually, when he was in rehab, we did um, classes with them, and it was amazing. Because I and I was really proud of our kids because they spoke freely in those classes, and um, they said it really, you know, makes me sad or this is how I'm feeling, and it's really nice that they have those programs now, and they make it so that kids can be open. And it's a safe place too. They were very big on do not tell about other people in the class. Um, they also really brought in emotions, just like how the addict doesn't know how to talk about their emotions. They want the kids to be able to do that. So I don't know. I thought it was good. I thought that, um, the rehab facility, uh, Hazleton, that's where he was at. Betty Ford, um, did a great job. Um, and it was funny because when Ian was in rehab, um, everyone actually asked me, you know, how do you feel or what do you think is going to happen when Ian comes out? And I'm like, I have no idea. I have no idea what to expect.
1: Um, we're going to move a thousand miles. That's what we're
0: going to do. <laughs> right. So we're going to move and we're going to just up it, uproot our whole family. No. And so, I, you know, somebody asked me, are you worried that he's going to relapse? And I said, gosh, I haven't even thought about that. And a very wise person, I will not mention their name because they are an addict as well. They said, Amber, just so you know, relapse is recovery. And it is. Because when you relapse, you realize what you were doing wrong, right? You realize what doesn't work again. Because we all get so comfortable in our lives.
1: Not so much that this last instance, I realized what the lack of what I was doing, I guess. Not what like I'm doing what? wrong. I guess you could say that's what's doing wrong because I wasn't working my recovery as well as I needed to be. Right. But uh, basically a reminder of how, you know, there's a lion in the room and it's trying to claw my eyes out and I got to keep it at bay daily. And if I get too comfortable and forget to call my sponsor or go to a meeting or uh, send a text to somebody I was, you know... In recovery with uh I slowly kind of start to slip out of that mindset that you know the danger that I'm in if I start using again and uh alcohol is like the only substance that you have to explain for not using it's so normalized and crammed down your throat basically in this society and uh You want to be normal. You want to be like everyone else. You want to be that person that can go have a couple beers at the bar after work and have a good time. And uh, unfortunately for me, that's not the case. And it's never going to be. It's not something, like I said earlier, it's, in my mind, someday I'm going to be able to beat the game. And that's not what's going to happen. It's something that is going to beat me every single time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's sad because, you know, and a lot of people say to me, you know, and I know, like I said, there's so many people with opinions, by the way. So when you are um, within the addiction realm, I would say anyone that is on the outside, anyone that's on the inside, there's so many opinions on what you should do, what you should do for your spouse. And one of the big things is um, that I was told is you can't drink around Ian, you know, anymore so what are your thoughts on that because me do i feel uncomfortable drinking around you yes
1: my thought is that it's not fair for me to cause you to change the things you do and that you are able to do just because i have a problem with it um I don't know. I'll try to think of a better way of kind of explaining myself on that. If you've got something on. Yeah.
0: I mean, now, um, I don't feel uncomfortable, but I don't really drink a ton though either. So like,
1: so I guess say I'm a really good mountain climber and you can't do it because your, your body just isn't built for it. And if you go and do it, you could probably fall and kill yourself.
0: You should have brought up snowboarding. Is that,
1: Yeah. <laughs> Is that fair that you should expect me to not mountain climb because it's dangerous for you? You know what I mean? No.
0: And no, I get that. But I also, you know, and I know that, you know, you don't, you said that's not your trigger anyways. That's not, me having a glass of wine once in a while isn't a trigger.
1: But well, I will say one of my tricks used to be was... <laughs> have you start getting drunk because once you're drunk you're not going to notice and I would sneak out and go and get alcohol and drink it out in the garage and hang around you and you were none the wiser of it
0: that is true because I so that's kind
1: of the danger of it but as far as like you drinking in front of me it's not really like a giant trigger I guess
0: yeah I mean definitely can touch base on that stuff another time but I mean I don't really I mean I'm I usually don't drink very much because let me tell you, I'm cloudy the next day. So I don't like that. Anyways. We're getting old. We're getting old. Okay. So that's really touching on the addiction. And um, we definitely want to do more, um, I would say, more chapters or more episodes, just touching on different things, I guess. Um, One thing that I'd like to talk about before we go is moving and.
1: What a pain in the ass! What a
0: pain... Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So, we've wanted to move for years. Obviously, it just didn't fall in our cards, in our deck. I don't know how you say that. Like, what do you say? Do you say, it's not in my hand? It wasn't dealt. It wasn't...
1: It wasn't dealt our hand.
0: Yeah. It wasn't dealt our hand. Our hand was not dealt. I don't know. I.
1: <laughs> you said it fine. Why did you have to screw it up?
0: <laughs> Anyways. So... After Ian going um, to Betty Ford, and really, I was honestly in a really crappy place, I would say, in my career, uh, just with the job I was at. It was awful. I thought it was a really good move, it wasn't. Um, COVID happened.
1: It was more, you did it more for the financial aspect as opposed for what you wanted to do.
0: Yeah. To my, what you
1: enjoyed doing.
0: So my job at the state was amazing. And then I went to a different job, which I will not name, and it was not amazing. Oh my gosh, it just wasn't
1: dumpster fire. What
0: I (laughs) it wasn't what I expected. Um,
1: Fucking liberals.
0: And anyways, so the state was amazing, and I just loved it. And um, anyways, so going forward, so Ian and I are like, it's now or never. If we don't do it now, COVID happened, so our kids were all virtual.
1: If we didn't do it now, we weren't going to do it until the kids were all grown up.
0: Right. So it's kind of like, gosh, why are we making this change, though? Are we making it to run away from our problems? Are we making it to get into um, a better lifestyle? You know, and that's, I would say, where we were trying to figure out what were we doing. Um, And so...
1: Well, Ian and the, I just. There's a little bit of ownership we have in the pizzeria and brew pub. Yeah, alcoholic part owner of a brew pub that's brilliant. Um, and
0: his dad is a brewmaster, so
1: I mean, hey, he's got
0: I've been it. Around he's right. got it going for him.
1: Um, there were many reasons we wanted to come down here. The hot weather was one of them, and I'm finding out that hot, humid weather kinda of sucks ass, but. This month we moved down for the hottest month of the year, and uh, it kind of is what it is, I guess at this point.
0: Yeah, and I will tell you, I miss tornadoes. I would prefer I prefer a tornado over snakes and alligators and like those really big spiders
1: kind of a crappy time to say that because wisconsin's having a shitload of tornadoes that's
0: why i'm saying i prefer to be in that environment than this environment i literally every morning open the door and i look outside look above and run to my car like a snake is going to attack me every time Anyways, so the move. So really, I started everything, um, like packing stuff up. My in-laws were awesome and helped with that too. Um, and then Ian got back and started helping. My friends helped. It was honestly.
1: No matter how much time you think you have to pack your house. And we
0: started early, by the way. You
1: don't have, like, don't say you're going to do it tomorrow because it's always crunched on the last two days and it's just awful
0: yes and you know a lot, we got a lot of questions i would say about the move and again i just honestly we got a lot of i would say negative commentary honestly you know it's so crazy it's so crazy how somebody can't just be like good for you right like good you're moving getting, you're you're making it well just like i don't know I would say just not a hundred percent positive that's for sure but also it was kind of a crazy move um but i think like nobody knows a lot of the backstory like brian's dad um you know stuff happened with him so i have i have brian full time now um and brian really struggled in verona he struggled and i'm not saying that he also isn't a naughty teenager, but he definitely struggled in the atmosphere. It's very clicky and very, um, you know, it's tough. It's clicky even as a parent in Verona. Like I, I felt like I didn't fit in. Um, so anyways, so, you know, we made the move and so we got everything packed. We got everything in the pod. Um, and then it's like, we're not getting everything in the pod.
1: No.
0: We're not. And I was like, I
1: told you that from and the I, start.
0: Yeah. And I was like, we totally are getting everything in the pod. Oh yeah, it
1: shows up and you're like, Oh yeah, it's all gonna fit.
0: <laughs> so literally at the end of the pod, this is so funny because I'm gonna fast forward. Our friend, um never mind. It's not about the pod. So I'm gonna back up. So the pod gets taken away. So then Ian's like, We need a U Haul. Like We still need a big U-Haul, and we have to take this U-Haul down, because we still have valuable things. So we packed the U-Haul, and it it was down to the minute of when we had to be out of our house. Like, we had to be out of our house at 3, I think?
1: They closed at 3. They wanted us out of there at 4. Yes. And then they're fucking driving by at 3.50, calling the realtor, like, um, they're still in the driveway. Like, we're doing the best we can, people.
0: Yeah. Anyways. So... Uh, at the end of... So Ian's doing all these trash runs and taking stuff to the dump, taking things to the brewery, um, trash bin, and I'm literally throwing everything away. I'm like, when in doubt, throw it out. If it does not bring joy, it is gone. And just so you know, everything brings Ian joy. If it is a piece of paper that Brooklyn put a scribble on... He has sentimental value about it. Oh, it's cute. It is cute, but I'm like, throw it away. Like, it's a waste of paper. Like, why are we letting kids just scribble on a piece of paper? Like, wait until they can write.
1: My pockets are full. I can't pick up this piece of
0: paper. Okay. So, anyways, so I'm throwing everything in this um, whatever, this U-Haul or whatever. So, again, fast forward. Our friend goes... I could not well, You could tell
1: which one I packed and which one you packed.
0: Yeah. He goes, I can tell
1: who We could have fit so much more that... in there if you didn't just yeet <laughs> things in there like a moron.
0: I don't what it Actually, that's one of the rules is no calling names on this There's podcast. no other
1: way to describe how you packed that trailer. I am sorry.
0: I did yeet it, though. Um, but anyway, so then we decided to really kind of cut this trip in two days to travel to... South Carolina. So, because we couldn't close on our house for another week. So the first day we get to, we drive. I have all the kids. Ian has the dog and he has the U-Haul and he's supposed to drive appropriately and not like a race car driver. And... That's not my idea. Let me follow him essentially because I will get lost in Madison, Wisconsin. Anyways, so we're driving. We get to... Did we get to Lexington the first night? So, Lexington the first night, we're all hungry. We're all hangry, actually. So, I'm like, Ian, I'm so hungry. And he's like, I'm not hungry, but if you want to order something, where do we, Outback? Old Chicago. Old Chicago. So, he's like, if you want to order something, order something. So, I did. I ordered pepperoni rolls.
1: Well, no, first let's talk about the three nights we spent in the hotel before we... Closed on the old house and all the chocolate that you spilled all over the sheets in that hotel.
0: (laughs) Okay, I don't remember this. But clearly I do
1: remember this. Clearly I'm a sweet dude.
0: Okay, so then we're in this hotel and he brings back the food. So the kids got something, I got something, I got pepperoni rolls and it has marinara sauce. So I open it and I kind of made myself a tray in a bed. So think about you're laying in the bed and you're like, I don't want to sit at a table. I want to lay in a bed and I want to create a tray.
1: There was no tray. You used the sheets as your table.
0: Yeah. So the sheet was my tray. So (laughs) I'm sitting here. What? First dip. (laughs) First dip. Marinara sauce all over the white sheets. Ian is so mad. Like, I don't. I feel like if anything goes wrong, he loses his mind.
1: We. I'm glad that we were in opposite cars on that drive because it wasn't so much us being angry or annoyed with each other. It was just angry, annoyed, burned out on the entire situation. We were kind of hair trigger at that point. So any little thing was going to you know, explode into a way bigger issue than it actually was.
0: Oh, yeah. So then he yells at me like I'm a child, which I guess I kind of was because...
1: <laughs> and yet you didn't eat your pepperoni roll.
0: <laughs> and then I was so angry that, that he yelled at me about something that was out of my control. It was not my fault that the marinara it's
1: spilled It's not your fault everywhere. that you were eating in a bed.
0: Well, cle- Marinara
1: clearly the bed sheets. was uneven.
0: Yes. So I just didn't eat the pepperoni rose and fell right to sleep. And then the next morning... You pouted. I pouted. And the next morning, finally... So
1: we- I went to the gas station and got L81, so it worked out in my favor.
0: Yeah, and then we discussed the situation, and we were fine the rest of the drive or whatever. But I will say, we definitely were at each other's throats a couple of times.
1: On the drive? Yeah. Well, yeah, because you drive like Grandma, and I drive like Mario Andretti, so it just doesn't always match.
0: Yeah, and it gets people car sick, and it makes people feel uncomfortable when you drive like that. Not my problem. Anyways, okay, so that is our first episode, our move. Our move is going okay. Well, no, you
1: didn't really talk about the, the joys of... Uh... Buying a house, you talked about the packing and the moving, but uh, the what are the searching the, the searching for the houses, the having to go look at two three houses a day, make an offer daily, oh. asking price five k over ten k over, oh my God. denied denied denied,
0: every because was
1: most denied. of it because the the contingency of our house still needed to be sold, and so then we sell our house and then it's the market is so crazy right now. you got to bend over backwards. Like you aren't going to, uh, let a home inspection determine if you buy the house or not. It's like stupid things, putting your ass on the line. And then there's the, the lender saying, Oh yeah, I need you to, you're perfectly good. Oh wait, no. Can you do this? Oh, can you pay this off? Can you, can you give me this letter, this, that, the other? Oh, and then, um, in South Carolina, it's not uh, what is it? What do they call the the closing agency? Oh,
0: so you instead of having like a title company,
1: yeah, you, you have, have to a, have an attorney an
0: attorney's office do everything for you, essentially.
1: And the underwriters down here are savages. God. Oh, uh, they my go through God. everything in your bank account and you think they'd be happy if that there's money in your account, but if they see like a six thousand dollar deposit, they're like well, what's the source of this? Where did this come from? Blah, 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 blah. And yeah. it's just, ugh. find your forever home, buy it, and stay there. Because we move every five years and say, we're never going to do that again. And in five years, we'll probably be doing it again.
0: Um, and just so you know, me moving every five years and not staying consistent is definitely me being a part of an addicted home.
1: Well, I think five years is a respectable amount of time to live in a house.
0: I just don't like consistency. I feel like I struggle with that. Like, I Mm. like every day to be different. And, like, even with my kids, I'm like, what? We're not going to have consistency. Let me me change things up and, nope, we're not going to have a made lunch today. Y'all are going to go, and you're going to have a lunch at school. There's... I'm just saying, like the the consistency factor is not in my blood; it's in your blood. I feel like your family was pretty consistent.
1: Well, they've lived in the same house for what thirty-four years.
0: Yeah, they have. It's very consistent. But anyways, so yeah, so buying a house was pain. Moving into the house was okay. Ian's done actually a really good job, kind of.
1: I kind of been slacking off this, but well. My damn ADD, you know, I, my plan is to get everything done inside of the house yesterday. And by 11 o'clock, I find myself outside with the weed whacker trying to edge from all the YouTube videos that I've been watching. So tomorrow's the day. I'm going to finish it.
0: Okay. So you heard it here on a podcast that tomorrow's the day. So the next week when we do our next podcast, he will report how amazing he made this house look which is already looking pretty amazing. Um, so yeah, so other than that, um, I will wanna say one good thing before we, um, before we kinda leave at something that Ian did do today that I was really proud of him. Um, and it's definitely, again, it's something impulsive. So when you're an addict, you're also impulsive. <laughs> So Ian calls me today, and I thought it was an emergency because he never calls on a cell phone. He always texts, as anyone knows.
1: Oh, is this about the golf cart? Yes.
0: Ian wants a golf cart. I want a golf cart. We do. That's just the way of living it in the South. And so he's like, <laughs> calls me and goes, I found the golf cart. Now hear me out on this, Amber. It is brand new. It's called... A cubby cu- club cadet, cadet. A club cadet. A lifted. Cub- lifted and has aluminum foil around. No,
1: the frame is made out of aluminum, not steel. Oh, okay. So it won't corrode in the elements.
0: So anyways, so then I'm like, well, how much is it? He goes, $12,000. And I'm like, what? That's a lot of money. That's like a used car.
1: It's and- a pretty ball golf cart. Though. And
0: he's like, but... But – so the thing about Ian is I like to equate – so Ian is the one that what – what is it called? It's called like – Wild card? No, it's called – yeah, you are a wild card too. But it's called deathbed regrets. That's what you have. You never want deathbed regrets. So, like, you never want to be on your deathbed and be like, I should have got that cubby cadet golf cart with the aluminum around it. Like, you – Like you worry about that kind of stuff. So anyway, so then I was like kind of crabby because I was ready for lunch and he's calling me. And I was like, you know what, Ian? You do what you want to do. First of all, you're going to get it then. And second of all, is it a want or a need at this point? And he's like, well, it's a want. We live on
1: a golf course. It's kind of a need.
0: Okay. But then I said... It's more of a want than a need. Do we need to spend $12,000? And you're like, well... And I was like, no, we don't. But also...
1: Do we need to sell the Evo?
0: Do we need to sell the Evo? Yes, yes, we do. So I think a lot of it was me saying, it's not a need. Do I want one? Yes, I would love one. I would love to race around and let my kids race around in one of those. That would be fun. But I also don't want to spend $12,000. I would prefer to save money. Um... But yeah, so he texted me and he was like, I did not get it. I backed off. I breathed.
1: I said I'm gonna talk it over with my wife in person.
0: Yep. And so I was very proud of him. That was a huge, huge step. That was amazing. Because now I don't have I'm not twelve thousand dollars in debt on something.
1: Oh, we're gonna get it.
0: Oh my god. All right, well, We really appreciate you listening to our first podcast. We don't know what we're going to name this podcast. And hopefully other people listen. No
1: poop, just farts.
0: (laughs) But um, I really hope that the stuff that we talk about really reaches out to people. And like I said, Ian thinks I'm crazy. But um, yeah, other than that, have a good night.
1: Holy shit, that was almost an hour.
0: Bye.